Hello there. I'm Siobhan McClay, she, her. And I'm Jen Jackson, she, her. This is season two of Embodiment for the Rest of Us, a podcast series exploring topics within the intersections that exist in fat liberation. In this show, we interview professionals and those with lived experience alike to learn how they are affecting radical change and how we can all make this world a safer and more welcoming place for those living in larger bodies and those historically marginalized who should be centered, listened to, and supported. Captions and content warnings are provided in the show notes for each episode, including specific timestamps, so that you can skip triggering content anytime that feels supportive to you. This podcast is a representation of our co-host and guest experiences and may not be reflective of yours. These conversations are not medical advice and are not a substitute for mental health or nutrition support. In addition, the conversations held here are not exhaustive in scope or depth. These topics, these perspectives are not complete and are always in process. These are just highlights. Just like posts on social media or any other podcast, this is just a glimpse. We are always interested in any feedback on this process if something needs to be addressed. You can email us at listener, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, at embodimentfortherestofus.com. And now for today's episode. Hello there, listeners, and welcome to the eighth episode in our second season of the Embodiment for the Rest of Us podcast. On today's episode, we have the compassionate resource and energizing being that is Shelby Gordon, she, her. Shelby is a retired world champion professional dieter who broke the chains of restriction, excessive exercise, and body hatred by embracing body trust. She now works with helping professionals and organizations to ignite and elevate their awareness of the intersection of systemic racism and dehumanizing diet culture. Shelby is also an anti-racism consultant, diet culture historian, certified body trust provider, and 2021 TEDx speaker. She's an awesome daughter, prolific social media disruptor, and future puppy owner. She does individual coaching and organizational consulting on a limited basis and can be contacted via email. She will also have two live boundary sessions around dealing with family and friends during the holidays on October 11th and November 8th, 2022, later this fall. The sessions will focus on how we can get the people we love most to stop hurting us deeply about our weight, shape, and food choices. You can find links to Shelby's social media, to her email for coaching and consulting, as well as the links to get into those boundary sessions in this episode's show notes. A special shout out to Christine Anatone at Anatone Creative, who was our editor for this episode. Thank you so much, Chris. This is Thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, listening, and holding space with us, dear listeners. And now for today's episode. Our second season continues today with Shelby Gordon, she, her, who is joining us from San Diego, someone who keeps us so connected to the information around us. There's so much to get present to, and we can't wait. So let's start. How are you doing today, Shelby? I am superiorly excellent, fantabulously wonderful. (sighs) Okay, I love it. (laughs) So good. I love that already. I love where this is beginning. Yeah, same. (laughs) So as we start this conversation today about being awake and aware in our bodies, I'd love to start with asking our usual centering question about the themes of our podcast and how they occur to you. 
Can you share with us what embodiment means to you and what has your embodiment journey been like if you would like to share that with us? I think for me, when I hear embodiment, that strikes me at a cellular level. I am a retired professional dieter. I would not have won a world championship in dieting. I would not have won a gold medal, an Olympic gold medal in dieting. If there had been a Nobel Prize in dieting, I would have won that. I I was serious. Um, In the height of my diet craze, I had a primary care physician, a bioidentical hormone doctor, a body image therapist, a nutritionist, an anesthesiologist who I went to his office and he intravenously put a diet cocktail straight into my vein. Wow. I had um, an acupuncturist, an herbalist, and a hypnotist. And I would go to really high intensity workouts two to three times a week and I would weep through class. Mm-hmm. I would cry through the class. So I had cold pressed juice delivered to my house. I mean, I I was serious. So my embodiment journey, surprisingly, um, was catapulted through burlesque dancing. Ooh, nice. Because for so long, my head... And my brain and my thoughts and my motivations were totally disconnected from everything happening for me from the shoulders down. Because my brain was solely focused on being thinner, on restriction, restrictive eating, with overworking out, with managing through sleep deprivation, Um, not really understanding the depths and scope of my depression. And so embodiment meant that my head reconnected to my body. And that happened for me in Ginger Whiskey's bump and grind class, Dancing the Beach Boys. That's when I figured out that there had been something missing and that sparked the reconnection for me. So embody for me, for me happens at a cellular level um, because it was important for me to get out of the brain space and reconnect my head to my body. So in Ginger Whiskey's bump and grind class, listening to the Beach Boys. We were dancing to the Beach Boys. Wow. I went to this place on a Groupon because we know all good things come from Groupon. <laughs> and um, it was a Saturday morning and I went to class. I did not know what to expect. Just to give you some further context about this, I'm born and raised in the Black Baptist Church. I live in San Diego, which has a small Black community. The Black Baptist community in San Diego is even smaller. Mm-hmm. So Everybody know my mama, my daddy, my auntie, my <laughs> uncle, my cousin. Everybody know everybody in my life. Right. And, you know, we run into everybody everywhere at the grocery store, at Home Depot. Um, tragically, what's been happening now is there's been so much death, you know, through COVID and everything. We run into each other at home going services. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother 
came home the other day and she said she ran into so-and-so at the in the mayonnaise aisle at Albertson's the other day and she was talking about how how cute Shelby's dress was on Easter and we tracked it back and it was 1970. It's 1970. She was talking about that dress. Oh well. Um so uh, you know hardcore hard boundaries strict religious upbringing um i do not have church hurt over my body image my my body image issues don't come through religion or through the church mm-hmm. but um the performativeness of it and the family status and the family reputation um through the church certainly so you got this black baptist girl right churchy i'm churchy going to burlesque Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. so I go to this class and I walk in and I am not kidding you there were women there every age every ethnicity every body size all levels of dance proficiency right and so we get in the studio and you know I'm putting on my shoes and then here comes ginger whiskey she looks like a pinup girl from the 50s, mm-hmm. right? She's got swoops in her hair and it's red and it's burgundy and it's black. And it's, she's got a flower in her hair. She's got a tie-dye halter top. She's got booty, booty shorts and some <laughs> platform heels. And um, she turned on the Beach Boys. And that, that child can shake her butt like... <laughs> I had never seen anybody shake their butt before. And I couldn't follow the dance moves because I was like, (laughs) how is she doing that? Right. And what she gave to me was I need to look at myself in the mirror, which I was not comfortable doing. I had not been comfortable looking at myself in the mirror. I had to take big steps. We were dancing across the floor. We would do a series of steps across the floor, one side to the other. And you had to take big steps. If you won, we're going to get across the floor so the group after you could come. Take bigger steps, Shelby. Take bigger steps. And um, and wearing those heels. So I left there that day, first day. I left there that day and I made a vow to six pound five ounce baby Jesus that I was going to dance burlesque for the rest of my life and with the pandemic you know we shut down and I was talking to my doctor yesterday and I told her I said I'm ready to go back to class just when I'm ready to go back to class we get another variant so um Ginger um now has a class on a Sunday afternoons. So I think I'm going to go to real church at eight and then stripper church. at <laughs> one. <laughs> I love what a, what a joyful, uh, fun, uh, different way of coming home to your body. You know what I'm saying? It's so cool. I love it. <laughs> and I sweat and my heart rate is up mm-hmm. and, you know, we dance to everything. And the women there became my tribe. Mm. And we 
you know, we had a, we had a, a situation where um, a girl that we danced with, she took her life. And this was after a big student showcase. We had practiced for months um, for a big student showcase. And I, I'm still not in the position to take my clothes off in front of people. Um, so I didn't dance in the showcase, but Coco, the owner of the studio, she pulled me aside after class one day and she says, Shelby, I would like for you to be the kitten for student showcase. Do y'all know what a kitten is for a burnout no. show? <laughs> a kitten is the person that comes after each act and picks up all the clothes that everybody done took off. <laughs> uh. So I got this great fake leather jumpsuit and this great um, lace duster and um, my my burlesque name is uh, Dahlia Noir, mm. but I'm also known as the Sanctified Stripper. <laughs> and Sorry. So I love it. So I was the kitten that night, and um, mm. Coco wanted me there to do that work, but because I had da- I learned every dance, right? So I was backstage with everybody, and like two weeks after the showcase, this young woman took her life. Mm. And ginger whiskey, honey, fired up the burlesque email chain. And we we had counseling. We provided resources for her family. Um, and so they became my tribe. And um, never any judgment, never any um, comparisons, never any comparisons. Um, always just love and joy and a ton of laughter. So yeah, burlesque did something for me that therapy, that talk therapy couldn't do. And it it helped me reconnect my head to my body. Wow. That sounds incredible, affirming, Mm -hmm. opening and expansive and just a lot of, I'm just... A lot of words and sensations sitting in my body. I can feel my heart pounding, but it's the, the good kind. Yeah. yeah. The the connected kind. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the lesson there is no, nobody should have to cry through a fitness class. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it was me and it was another woman. And we literally would weep. And at the end, I literally am blowing my nose and wiping tears. And she would look at me and she would like, see you on Thursday (laughs) oh wow yeah you can find movement that brings you joy that's another reason why I want a puppy Mm -hmm. right get a little puppy out and walk and breathe fresh air and get some vitamin d and Mm -hmm. and start moving Mm -hmm. absolutely you see me post often how that my body's changed Mm -hmm. because I've been locked in the house for 720 days Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm So um, we got a new pool guy. I I fired daddy as a pool guy. (laughs) And the pool is like so inviting. So I'm like, I've bought myself a big old float and some cute little swimsuits and I'm going to get in the pool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's wonderful. That sounds amazing. It's, It's a really great reminder of how movement, whether it's, you know, 
fast paced, slow paced, brings your heart up, doesn't, you know, whatever kind of movement is important to you can really help bring on this sense of embodiment. That's really, that's really great. Yeah. It's so bad that um, Coco plays this song when we're warming up, right? And it's a hip circle and a hip circle and a hip circle and a hip circle. Y'all, the song came on the other day when I was in the grocery store. (laughs) And there was nobody in the aisle. I was in the cheese aisle. There was nobody in the aisle. So I did the full dance to Coco's warm up in the cheese aisle at the grocery store. I love it. And got my same happy feelings. And three or four years ago, I wouldn't have done that. I would have thought that the only way that I was making a difference in movement was to cry through a fitness class. Mm. Mm -hmm. So embodiment is a new concept for me. It's an evolving concept for me. And it is not woohee woohee. It's not in my brain. It's in my cells. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's embedded. Yeah. I can hear that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's with you always is also something that I can hear. Yeah. Which is really amazing. And when you were talking about the pool, I was thinking about movement there, the movement of a floating thing on yes. the pool, that that's a kind of movement. Yes. That the stillness within your body, but your body knows you're moving. Mm-hmm. It's still movement. I was just really thinking about that. Actually, I just got chills. And the sun, the way this our skin reacts to the sun right. is another kind of movement. Rest is productive is something that I was hearing in that because it's moving. We're moving. Yeah. And it's yeah. why I also like to walk at the beach. Because the Mm. movement of the waves is consistent. Mm. No matter what's happening in your life in San Diego, you can drive to the beach and those waves are coming in Mm. consistent. So um, that's why I love walking down there. Mm -hmm. And and that's the other thing that I I think I've learned through the pandemic is the value of rest. Mm -hmm. And I have what Reagan Chastain calls personality privilege mm-hmm. and she talks about you know you get to a certain point and you're just like uh, uh, yeah we're going to do this my way mm-hmm. but I also have professional privilege mm-hmm. right I work for the Walt Disney Company for 14 years at Disneyland mm-hmm. which means at this point I can do any job I want any way I want mm-hmm. so two years ago I went to work at this museum 90 year old Actually, it's the San Diego Historical Society, but they run two physical museums. And I don't think they've ever seen anything like me before. I walked in saying, yeah, I'll take your job, but I'm only coming there. It was three days a week. Mm. I started three weeks before our first lockdown. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had been working from home for two years. My boss sent me a note yesterday. He goes, happy, you know, second anniversary. And I, I do things my way. I, I'm, I'm an early riser. So six o'clock, I'm firing emails. Two o'clock, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Love. <laughs> Love a nap. Speaking of the pandemic, um, mm. as a human being, how has the pandemic affected your embodiment practices in ways that challenge your process? Um, has there been anything that feels like it connects you further? Yeah. What lights you up about this work? And when do you feel most embodied? I have acknowledged the fact that I am not my productivity. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I am a high performer, but through the pandemic and through my embracing the concept of rest and me care and soul care, I, when I'm done working, I'm done working, right? Some days that's 630 in the evening, some days that's 1045 in the morning, right? Mm. And I'm playing my farm game and posting on social media. Mm. So I am not my productivity. You know, they had that old Marine TV spot that said, we do more before 1030 than most people do all day. You know, if I start firing emails at six o'clock in the morning, you know, by 11 or 12 o'clock, I've done a full day's work. Mm -hmm. So I have climbed over the mountain of thinking that I had to continue to work and continue to push myself. I knew that I could stop and rest or stop and go see what my badass parents were up to or go (laughs) and take myself out to lunch or go, um, you know, get my nails done or, um, I am not my productivity. I learned that through the pandemic. I learned the value of rest through the pandemic. Yeah. The other thing that happened is I originally thought once I retired from dieting and once I found body trust, I thought that I would be coaching Black women on how to eclipse their issues with their bodies and get to a better place. And then George Floyd called out for his mother. Mm -hmm. George Floyd called out for his mother and everything in me shifted. Jessica and Alicia did elevate melanated voices. And I literally went from 345 followers on Instagram to 10,000, like in six weeks. Mm -hmm. And my place ended up being in the anti-racism space. Mm-hmm. And, and literally people were calling me going, Shelby, can you talk about this? Shelby, can you talk about this? Rebecca Scritchfield is one of my coaches. And I emailed her on a Sunday morning. And I said, I think there's something happening here. And she emailed me right back. She said, these are your boundaries. This is your hourly rate. You don't do anything for free. You know, she just like nailed it down for me. And that sort of helped me get in mind what this could be. And I am a professional student. I'm a professional researcher. I'm I'm supremely curious and I love libraries. So I do a lot of research and a lot of reading and a lot of listening. And Where I ended up was I was being contacted by eating disorder treatment organizations saying, Shelby, can you come and talk to us about anti-racism? And I'm like, absolutely, I can. So I signed a big contract, turned around, called my anti-racism coach, Desiree Attaway, and said, Mm. I need three sessions, like literally. (laughs) And she laid it out for me. Go to this work start with this framework. This is your hourly rate, blah, blah, blah. And so boom, right there. I literally had a business land in my lap. Wow. And so 
been very successful with that um, because I am very distinct. I don't do DEI work, hmm. which I actually call DIE work. <laughs> you know, when people say to me, Shelby, can you come and do some DEI work with us? I say, do you know what race is? Hmm. And they can't tell me. I'm like, well, if you need for me to talk about that step with you, I'm perfectly willing, but mm-hmm. I don't skip that step and go mm. to DEI. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then bizarrely enough, I work in the museum community. My particular case, it is the historical society. Our collections were not taken from somebody else. Like mm-hmm. a lot of museums that mm-hmm. I partner with, they're dealing with a lot of those issues. That's not my personal issue with our museum, but we're still trying to bust out of this. And the pandemic forced us mm-hmm. um, to bust out of a model of being only concerned about the people who walked in the four walls of our museums too. Mm-hmm having a digital first strategy and being inclusive. So um, today is the 17th of March. I have finally recovered from Black History Month. Mm. Can I tell you, Mm -hmm. being a Black marketing manager at a history center in the town you grew up in during Black History Month is not for the faint of heart. And we have two exhibits in our museum now that focus on one, a black homesteader, if you can believe that, turn of the century, guy living up in the mountains. I say if he had been living today, he'd be reality star. (laughs) And then we have another exhibit that really focuses on celebrating black San Diego. (sighs) So I have built some really dynamic programming around that, which means Mm -hmm. that Black History Month for me is like a triathlon. Yeah. And I was so depleted at the end of the month. And I describe my depression this way. You will hear diabetics talk about how they can feel their blood sugar shift. I I can physically feel my depression shift. Mm-hmm. So what I had was my regular depression, then seasonal depression then pandemic depression, then black girl depression. Mm -hmm. And it was converging. Mm -hmm. And then I had to live through black history month. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I talked to the doctor yesterday. When I talked to her two weeks ago, I was in the bed. I was doing a zoom call in the bed. That's how bad I was. And she looked at me yesterday. She goes, you look 150% better. I'm like, I'm feeling much better. Thank Mm -hmm. you. But what I learned is, I can't go through that next year, right? Mm -hmm. And I need to start now to build an infrastructure so that Shelby's not the only one that's on TV, that's in the newspaper, that's doing podcasts, that's doing radio, that's giving tours, that's doing presentations. Mm -hmm. I can't be the only one doing that. Mm -hmm. So we'll do that. But um, so my embodiment knew you serve with your overflow, Mm. right? The Bible talks about your cup runneth over. Well, girlfriends, cup was empty. Reserve tank was empty. Backup reserve tank was empty. And gas is (laughs) (laughs) $5.99. Literally. 
Yes. So I literally had to stop for me to be able to refuel organically. Mm -hmm. So I continue that. I'll go sit with the puppies for four days and they're just unconditional love and antics (laughs) really help my mood. So Mm. excited about that. Nice. Sounds like for you and a lot of people we've spoken to, uh, the pandemic has taught us, myself included, has taught us to be a little bit more self-protective. Like I can't let myself get to this. You can get, you know, not as burnt out, not as crispy, like finding ways to kind of having these, these measures to protect. I was a puff of smoke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was no organic material left. Mm -hmm. So the other thing the pandemic taught me is that I will never work outside the home five days a week. Mm -hmm. I teach at two universities. I will never teach face-to-face again. Mm. I am highly selective with social things, you know, and I think that's protection. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, it, it takes a whole lot of energy to be Shelby. (laughs) I expend a lot of energy doing this and before I just did it. Right. And now I know how much energy I was expending (laughs) and that in order for me to be whole and well and rested and sane and and me I need to keep some things in reserve absolutely Mm. Mm -hmm. this is as you were talking about that I was really thinking about how earlier I said rest is productive Mm -hmm. and you've also said you are not your productivity and I've been Mm -hmm. sitting with that Mm -hmm. that being rested is its own thing Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to become productive. It doesn't even have to be productive to be valid. Right. I, I think the other thing is you have to protect your rest. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I lost my peace. Have you ever lost your peace before? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <sighs> oh, it sucks. Yeah. And when I got it back, I made a vow to six pound, five ounce baby Jesus that I was never going to lose my peace again. Mm-hmm. And what I've discovered is that I need to protect my rest. Yes. The same. Absolutely. Mm. So I go to the office on Wednesdays um, and I come home and take a nap. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love a nap. Um, so you know, and lately what I've been doing is eight o'clock. I am like putting my buds in, listening mm-hmm. to my book and uh, lights are out and mm-hmm. I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so I think protecting your rest, me protecting my rest as diligently as I protect my peace. Mm-hmm. And I can hear the flow that can come from that. You were talking about overflow earlier. Yeah. And if rest is to be productive or if rest is required to be productive, like there's an obligation, Mm -hmm. like there's some other element to it, it's not going to be peaceful and it's definitely not going to become overflow. Right. It's going to be something else. It's still inside of that productivity bullshit. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. I really appreciate what you said Mm, uh, because this was like real immediate reflection. I was like, Oh, and I just said that. Oh gosh. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. There's something really powerful in, 
in what you're standing for, for yourself, for no other reason other than you're a person and Mm -hmm. you deserve to have rest. Right. Absolutely. And you deserve to have peace. Mm -hmm. You're just a person. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that has to come after. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't need to justify it. Exactly. Correct. There's nothing mm-hmm. that needs to come out. I don't need to justify it. Right. Yeah. Right. I love that. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, I appreciate that so mm-hmm. much. Me too. Oh, so, so much. And it's reminding me of the next question that you are such a source of intersectional content on social media, mm. what you repost, what you share yourself, what you highlight it's very specifically not highlighted in thin and white dominated spaces. It's mm-hmm. also not highlighted in white fat spaces either is something mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge, right? People who mm-hmm. look like me, it's not there either. Mm-hmm. About embodiment, body image, body trust, which you mentioned. I'm curious how highlighting these things and going through this information affects your own embodiment. Mm. That's my niche. That's my work. That's my ministry, right? Mm. I see, perceive, and process things in a different way because I'm a Black fat woman. Mm -hmm. I see, interpret, and process things differently because I'm a Black fat woman who has and still work in predominantly white spaces. So that gives me an opportunity to share in a way that somebody else may have glossed over. Sometimes you will see me say, let me black girl interpret this for you. (laughs) Let me tell you what this is really saying. Mm -hmm. Or I will say a lot, just so we're clear, this is what's happening. And that's my space. That is my work. And it's very rewarding Mm -hmm. for people to say, I'm seeing this in a different way. Or I, I didn't know about this, or I didn't understand the ramifications of this. And it's everything from don't touch my hair. (laughs) I am not your pet. Mm -hmm. Do not touch me. Mm -hmm. I am not your pet. (laughs) To I often post about if white women fought for racial equality as hard as they diet, Mm -hmm. we would not have white supremacy culture. Yeah. And that's a post that gets a lot of feedback. So I only post it when I've got a lot of time to (laughs) deal with trolls. Mm. And my goal with a troll is to troll them until they either block me or say, you know what? (laughs) I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So I post, you know, nomenclature. I'm black. I'm not BIPOC. If you're talking about me, I'm a black, I'm a black woman. Mm -hmm. Don't call me a person of color. I'm not a person of color. I'm a black woman. Mm -hmm. No blackity, black, 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 black. All day, every day. All day, every day. Mm -hmm. Do not touch me. This is the difference between diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it's just standard stuff. Yeah. And then the other thing is, you know what? If diet culture really worked, me and Oprah would be skinny by now. I'm just (laughs) saying. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) If that mess really worked. Right. That's the title of my dissertation. When somebody pays for my PhD work. (laughs) That's my first book. Mm -hmm. If diets really worked, me and Oprah would be skinny by Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoy it. And I've learned so much through social media. Mm. 
through the community and my communities on social media is everything from certainly anti-fat, anti-blackness, but that's about half of the accounts that I follow on Instagram and Twitter. The other half are puppies. So my feed today <laughs> is like full of puppies in St. Patrick's Day garb. Oh, nice. Right? Mm-hmm. And then about another section of that is granny squares because I crochet. Mm-hmm. So it's like this odd mix. Um, so I really... I've learned so much and been able to connect with so many people, knowing them, right? But them, I mean, you know, like Alicia McCullough and Whitney Trotter, um, to then know them to the point where, you know, Whitney and I, we teach together. And Reagan Chastain and I, she's constantly sending me you know what, contact Shelby, she can talk about the anti-racism piece and I'll talk about this piece. And so we've been able to interact and lift each other up and hold each other up Mm. and support each other. And because this is my passion, that's meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. I am never lonely. I'm never alone. I'm never lonely. Mm. That is a gift. I am comfortable with my own company. And as long as I got internet, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for Mm -hmm. answering that. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I, my brain is often thinking about how much social media sucks. So I really appreciate Mm -hmm. what you just said, because there's a lot of power, connection, community, resonance, lots of other things that really can exist there. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I teach how awful social media is. My <laughs> classes, it's terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, y- y- don't get me talking about Zuckerberg. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, yeah. mm-hmm. I, 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 and I could talk about that, but for me, it has been really, um, I, I, I'm going to say it, it really has been a lifeline mm-hmm. because I would have been in the dark. I never would have found body trust, right? I never mm-hmm. would have found um, Deshaun Harrison. I never would have found um, Sabrina Strings. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I never would have found them unless I was on social media following these people, yeah. um, listening to podcasts and having, I mean, have you ever physically, uh, the next time I have an epiphany, I must try to see if I can videotape myself having a pit, an epiphany <laughs> because I was listening to body kindness podcast, you know, Rebecca, she and I, she's been my coach for a long time. And mm-hmm. when she, when she had Sabrina strings on, I literally did a Pentecostal dance <laughs> in my house because that was the, a piece that I was missing. Mm-hmm. And then when Deshaun came out with their book, um, I call it the Old Testament. Sabrina Strings is the Old Testament for me. Deshaun's book is the New Testament for me. Mm-hmm. Amen. And they that. both are must reads and they go together. Mm. Ooh, I like that. Me too. But, but, and then to take it further, for me to be able to interact with Deshaun and say, congratulations, honey, mm. on your, nom- your book nomination. Congratulations yeah. on a reprint. Congratulations. You know, I'm so proud of you that that means a lot too. That's true. 
such a beautiful way to look at the connection that it brings. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Speaking of social media, I really love how you use humor to discuss diet culture Mm -hmm. on your social media um, outlets. I crack up and I talk about your ranting about cauliflower substitutes all the time. (laughs) Like they just kill me. I love them so much. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you feel that humor can be helpful in practicing embodiment for someone? Well, that's my standard operating procedure. Okay. Right. I was a funny child. I was voted class clown uh, in high school. And I use humor to communicate light content and heavy content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I may want to present you the same concept in a bunch of different ways. So I may come at you with it humorously, then factually then academically, then socially, then culturally. So I may come at you a bunch of different ways. What I really hope that the cauliflower posts convey is the diet culture industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And while I still respect and honor those who are unable to eat, who are unable to eat gluten and other ingredients and who really find tremendous value in these cauliflower-based alternatives. It's all pretty ridiculous, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the one, I, you know, I did a special series over the holidays. Oh, about I know. Pumpkin <laughs> oh, you did. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, <laughs> Um, the pumpkin spice mattresses got me. And the funny part is that, you know, I, I still get, I get, I get a new one every week. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my cauliflower correspondents are, they are on the J-O-B. And I still get, <laughs> you know, so um, it, it was, and it's funny because literally everybody I talk to, every podcast, that I talked to, they talk about cauliflower and this is all over the world. Right. So I was talking yeah. to Germany the other day and she was talking about cauliflower. So, um, it's hysterical. So yeah, it, it's very funny. I mean, it's very funny. You know, haven't we determined that cauliflower don't have no wings and it, it's just, it's hysterical. I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to be one of your pumpkin spice people. Like there's a, near where my husband works, there's an auto shop. And like last yeah. year they said, rejoice, we have pumpkin spice oil changes. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I'm going to, next time they put it up there, I'll take a picture and send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely ridiculous. What kind of colonic do you want? We right. have pumpkin spice colonics right now. It's like, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I I love memes, yeah. right? Yes. I am yes. the meme queen. So <laughs> my Oprah memes, I love them. When the tanker got stuck in the canal, um, I, you oh, know, I run with the meme. I I'm a I'm a meme lover, mm-hmm. and um, but I, on a funny on a funny meme, I will do. But a while ago, um, there was a hashtag, um. I have a white friend mm. and I did a whole series about, I did see that. Yeah. I have a white friend and how black people were really talking about, I have a white friend. And I was like, you know, Derek Chauvin was George Floyd's black friend mm-hmm. and Desmond Tutu talking about 
how white colonizers, white missionaries came in to Africa talking about the Bible, but then they ended up enslaved. I'm like, those were white friends, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm good on a good, I, I'll run a good hashtag in the ground. I'm good that. for that. I love yeah. that. It's much appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when so many hashtags are taken over on social mm-hmm. media by people trying to do some real harm. Yeah. And they come yeah. in droves. They communicate ahead of time and do that. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Highlighting something, bringing something mm-hmm. forward. That actually is a great segue into this next question, um, which is what nuance do you wish was more present in social media related to embodiment, body trust, food, our relationships with food and body or anything? We're going to see it now with Hayes a couple, but what, uh, what, they what did I hear? Haze apocalypse. Haze apocalypse. The haze, haze apocalypse. Haze apocalypse. Yes, yeah, yeah, the haze Yeah. <laughs> I think we're gonna see it now. Mm-hmm. And I posted this morning um, mm-hmm. because I primarily was on Twitter over the weekend um, and didn't post a lot about this on Instagram. Um, but I think that this fat liberation space is gonna be filled based on the whole LB dug for themselves is going to be filled to the brim with new vibrant appropriate Mm. and diverse voices Mm. and it's going to be what we have needed what we have wanted and I don't think it's necessarily going to be nuanced anymore I think it's going to be mainstream Mm. so I think we're this is coming so Mm. I'm like a TBD because Mm. then I think the next three to five years is going to be we're going to see a quantum shift Mm. in how our movement is talked about how our bodies are talked about how our health care is talked about how discrimination against us is talked about it's going to be a quantum shift So we're in the middle of something changing. I love that perspective. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. the, be- the beginning, not the middle. The beginning right. of something changing. We're in the middle and it, it it is big. And we often talk about, we should just blow up the system and start over. Well, guess what happened over the weekend, y'all? Mm. It blew up. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to have an opportunity to rebuild it mm-hmm. in a way that is broader that has more opinions Mm. and more research and more facts, Mm. more um, feelings, more emotions, Mm. more evidence, more case studies, more lived experience Mm. from a a broader group of people. Yes. And something I'm hearing and what you're saying is also this potential for how things like health at every size, they didn't start there. They came from something else, mm-hmm. came from fat activism, for example. Um, and right. also in a lot of like really kind of historical and ancient wisdoms kind of way of uh, structures and societies that are oppressed, that other people took them and said, oh, this is a great idea. And now we put evidence all over this. But there's also when you're talking about lived experience um that what a fat person says about their body is one of the, is the most important thing first of all right and why aren't we listening mm-hmm. right I, I i see two things happening i see this new this new movement happening this mm-hmm. restructured movement happening 
But then I also see the old movement recreating itself Mm. and still pushing out people with lived experience. Mm. So I see it as two pronged Mm. because that diet culture, that, um, that white dominated industrial complex Mm. was too valuable for those folks to just let it go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are going to restructure. It's going to be like something out of Star Trek, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to restructure it so that they can keep, keep their momentum going and keep their followers fed. Um, And it's going to be a dual path. And you know what? That's okay. Um, It's going to be a dual path, but Mm -hmm. I think the new movement is going to have much more real estate. Hmm. in that space I love that I love mm-hmm. I love the hope in that yes I was say that's really hopeful mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah uh, I love the space in that if it had been just Mikey then I would have said oh you know yeah but baby it was coming and I got a story and I got a story mm-hmm. and I've got a story and this happened to me and I have emails I heard that on a call yesterday mm-hmm Somebody say, you don't want to see my emails. I'm oh like, my. ooh. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think the avalanche of it and, and people, somebody was pounding the, their fist on the desk yesterday. Go, how can they not see this pattern? Mm-hmm. How can they not see this pattern? Mm-hmm. How can they not see it? I think that gives me hope mm-hmm. that the epic fall of this person is to the point that it is full and complete. Hmm. You know, I posted this morning, there will be no apology. Hmm. And you know what? I don't need it. Hmm. There will be no apology. And that's okay. Um, Because truly there's nothing left to be said. (laughs) And we are, we're moving on. We're moving on. I fear that the cynic in me is like, but they're, there will be, and mm. that it's just a falling upwards. So I, I, I feel like it's just the weariness of everything is just, I'm just tired. And I'm hoping that there's some change. I just feel fearful, I guess. Well, <laughs> no, I think, I think that there are enough people mm. and enough niches, eating disorder, nutrition, dietetics, hospital nutrition, Mm -hmm. childhood eating, Mm -hmm. you know, decolonization of food, you know, trauma. I mean, there's enough of us Mm -hmm. that I think we can, we can, we've got the research, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got the scientists, we've got the doctors. I mean, there's enough of us that we can really coalesce Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. and remake it Mm -hmm. in a way that better reflects us yeah. And our lived experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Destroy worlds as Deshaun Harrison mm-hmm. would like us to do. Talks about mm-hmm. blowing it up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love that. Me too. And I'm not trying to sound like, oh, it's not going to. It's just, oh, no. I think. That, <laughs> fear. That's fear, human right? nature. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's human nature. Yeah. I guarantee mm-hmm. you I'm going to crash and burn at some point. I think that's where I am right now. I think it's just, I need to, it's been, Jen and I were talking about this before we even got on, how 
it's so important to say something, but it's that protecting your peace, right? Like how much do you say right. without right. expending so much labor that you're burning yourself to a crisp? So I think right. there's just got to be that balance. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and it's supporting Mikey, right? Right. You know, mm-hmm. I sent her money this morning. I asked you mm-hmm. all to send my stipend to her. As we and we will. Mm-hmm. She's got, you know, she's she's taken care of because just so important. She laid it all out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She laid it all out there. Yeah. Yes. And also keeping in mind the people who did and weren't heard. I think it's it's I think it's a yes. it's a, a it's a it's also a sign of the the fact that we've been in this never it's not never ending it just feels like it sometimes this never ending pandemic we're all weird we're all burnt to a crisp in that way and mm-hmm. I think we I think we were also at a precipice within the fat liberation world that we were able to hear it I mean I think people like Alicia McCullough just right. have been saying things for years right um but thank goodness we actually heard it this time that's what gives me hope more mm. than anything and I think we're highly attuned to it now mm-hmm. and I think that organizations like ASDA mm-hmm. will build some infrastructure mm-hmm. so that um, there will be a mechanism where people mm-hmm. can report these kinds Absolutely. of things. I mm. equated Ooh, I like to that. What, <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I equated to um the changes that we need to make with the US presidency mm. to ensure we don't get a crazy person again. <laughs> you know, we just mm-hmm. thought at the kindness of people's heart that they would be saying when they ran for president, right? <laughs> mm. Mm. And that they would operate in a certain kind of way. There was no, there's no infrastructure there to check and balance that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to do that on that. And I'm hoping that we'll do that too yeah. on the ASTA side. Absolutely. Mm. And with other organizations and within institutions mm-hmm. and within other groups. Yes. And that we, I think now we're all going to hold ourselves accountable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely am. And that's not, that's not council culture. That's mm-hmm. called accountability. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's other organizations to hold to account also, right. even who've made public statements in support right. of the person who's doing harm. Stupid public statements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the other lesson here is that whether it was intentional or not, you cannot have an entire movement seemingly being led by a single person correct Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that person is human they have good points and bad points sometimes they have horrifically bad points Mm -hmm. and my my analogy is um martha stewart how martha stewart's brand was about martha stewart right she planted flowers and she cooked and she set tables and she <laughs> took care of dogs. And, you know, I love her pretentious ass to death, <laughs> um, but she still lied to the FBI and went to jail. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And she had to rebrand herself, mm-hmm. but her business was impacted because everything was around a single person mm-hmm. and whether it was intentional or not, well, it was intentional on LB's part because Absolutely. they took ownership mm-hmm. of that spokesperson's place. Mm-hmm. But as they ain't going to let that happen no more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it never needs to be a single person. Correct. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Especially not a thin white person. Agreed. Agreed. Who didn't even create what the book was about. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So very interesting. Mm-hmm. Lots of unpacking. Yes. One of the biggest highlights for me is that LB has described, I love these initials, by the way, it's feeling like I, I want to also sit in that space, but just sitting with that, um, that they described, um, oh, shoot, I lost my thought. Oh, okay, it's gone. Shoot. I love something that you said. <laughs> come it's back, gone. Come <laughs> That's okay. It's gone. Mm-hmm. But I love I love something that you said. <laughs> it might come back during this. It, it might come, come back, back during this recording. We'll see. We'll see. You know. You're like two in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. You can email me. There okay. you go. Over there here. you go. <laughs> yeah, I know if I email you at 6 a.m., you might get it then. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. I'll fire it right back. Mm-hmm. 2.30, I'm napping though. Okay. Right. Um, I'd like to pivot if that's okay. I wanted to make sure that we made time to ask um, about the second half of our podcast title. So what does the rest of us mean to you? How do you identify within the rest of us? And we'd also love you to share your pronouns and identify your privileged identities in context here as well. Okay, I'm Shelby Gordon, born and raised in San Diego. Um, My privileges are, I was raised in a two-parent home. And I've had my dad in my life every single day of my life. He is my confidant and my go-to person. I tell him everything and I make him tell my mother. Um, (laughs) I have personality privilege, meaning that I am in the place in my life where I am as obnoxious as I want to be. So if, if the time calls for it and you know, if I think I'll get some equity from it, um, I'll be totally obnoxious. Mm. I also have professional privilege, which means I work on my terms Mm -hmm. and I work um, how I want, the way I want, for who I want. And I am the worst job interviewer. (laughs) Um, I apply for jobs as a hobby. I did it for as a hobby. Hmm. and um, I had to stop drunk applying because I used to do that a lot get really drunk and then start applying for jobs and then people would start calling me about these jobs and I didn't remember um, (laughs) (laughs) the benefit the benefit of that is that I'm able to teach that to my students right and so one of my students um, just got a new position as a senior designer for a big agency. Mm. And he sent me a note that said, you taught me how to be this obnoxious. I'm like, that's it. So I have great uh, professional privilege. I worked for the Walt Disney Company for 14 years at Disneyland. If you cut me, I still bleed Mickey, red, yellow, and black. (laughs) Once a cast member, always a cast member. (laughs) Um, I dance burlesque. So that's a privilege that I have is that I've been able to find movement that I love, that benefits me, that has provided me with a tribe and um, a way to rethink my fitness. That's been just super beneficial and fun. Um, Another privilege that I have that you might not think is a privilege is my mother is my chief weight stigmatizer. 
She is horrifically fat phobic. Mm-hmm. And I have been able to build boundaries and teach others how to build boundaries mm-hmm. because of her and her utter hatred of my fat body. Mm-hmm. So I count that as a privilege. Um, I'm also privileged to be the keeper of the neighborhood cat right now. His name is Sam. Our next door neighbor's house burned. Mm-hmm. And while the house is being re- rebuilt, everybody up in our cul-de-sac has been taking care of Sam. So mm-hmm. um, I, I've got Sam now. And I was on a Zoom last night and there was somebody on the Zoom who had a cat and was petting the cat. And I kept hearing this meow, meow, meow. I thought it was the cat on the Zoom. And it was Sam who was outside my window because it was dinner time. Mm -hmm. And he was like, show me, (laughs) come and feed me. (laughs) So I find it a great privilege to be able to feed Sam and cuddle with him. Um, I have wonderful friends. I have a wonderful family. I have wonderful memories and milestones. And I have built a life that I enjoy. Um, The only regret, you know, people say, do you regret not doing this? No, the only regret that I have, like really and truly, is I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish that I had been a surrogate. Mm. Um, a couple of mm. my friends were unable to have children naturally and I wish I had been a surrogate that's really my only regret I um, am looking forward to building a new a new life I don't want to say post-pandemic but living within mm. the pandemic mm-hmm. I don't want to go back mm to normal because that normal wet worker for me no kind of way mm-hmm. I do not want to go back there I have really been thoughtful and understood what the abrupt sudden unplanned for a change that COVID-19 has caused in our lives mm-hmm. it's changed every single thing about everything we do mm-hmm. and while I just grieve the amount of death and sickness mm. that we have had. Um, I do not want to go back. That that normal, if you want to call it that, was not normal mm. for me. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to go back there. Mm. I'm hopeful about getting a puppy. <laughs> um, I, I want three eventually. The first one is going to be Kensington. Uh, Kenny G. <laughs> Um, named after Kensington Palace. I'm a recovering royal watcher. Um, I retired from being a royal watcher the day Meghan Markle got engaged to Harry because for me, the dream was over. Mm-hmm. The black girl gets the prince, she gets married. I was done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. So um, I'm looking forward to getting back to dance class. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to continuing and playing the role I need to support the Black anti-diet culture fat activists 
I'm looking forward to interacting with white providers and clinicians Mm -hmm. on how they can be more aware Mm -hmm. and more attuned and better serve Mm -hmm. all of their clients, including black and brown clients. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to where the movement is going and will be patient in understanding my role in that. I don't want to force it. I want for it to come organically and will help any way I can. I'm looking forward to going to Paris when the cathedral reopens. Mm. I'm looking forward to renting an RV and going to the Grand Canyon. Mm. I'm looking forward to lots of hotel suites with lots of soaking tubs because that's Mm. my fetish. Mm. It's the favorite thing about my house. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, I want that in my house. (laughs) (laughs) What do you identify as your marginalized identities? I am Black, fat, cis. I um, am educated. English is my first language. I am middle class. I am self-supporting. I am healthy. I'm a highly functioning person with depression. So. Um, When people want to question me about my weight, I tell them that that is not my health concern. My health concern is managing my depression. Mm -hmm. Um, I am able-bodied. I will be more able-bodied when I get back to dance class, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, I'm able-bodied. I am a recovering news junkie and I like to speak on different topics to different people, which means I need to read a lot, see a lot, listen a lot, think a lot, process a lot. Um, I am a learner, but I'm also an educator. I am spiritual and religious, but I'm churchy, churchy. Mm -hmm. Everything is a church song to me. (laughs) Um, Pharrell's happy is about Jesus. I I hope y'all know that. I really, really want to grow myself to a place where I can serve Black women. And um, I've done boundaries classes um, that are called respectfully. My boundaries classes are called respectfully because as a Black woman, you need to be respectful, but you also need to call people on their stuff. Um, I have a class coming up that's looking at body diversity from a biblical lens. So my goal really is to be able to take this into Black churches and coach Black women so that they can find body trust. Um, I was never going to have peace with my body. I had hated it for too long to have peace. Mm -hmm. I was never going to find joy in my body. I had hated my body and tried to change it for too long to have joy. But when I got up on body trust, that was a concept that I could embrace. That was something that I could incorporate into my life because I have to trust my body. I have to trust that my legs are going to take me from my car in the parking lot, into the museum, 
up the stairs to my office. I may need a defibrillator once I get up there, but hey, I trust that my body's going to get me there. I'm trusting that my circulatory, lymphatic, digestive um, blood is circuit. I have to trust that. I have to trust what my depression is telling me to do, mm. whether it's telling me to push through or whether it's telling me to rest. Um, body trust was a concept that really resonated with me. And when I found that, I found a key that in, unlocked an important part on my body, my embodiment journey mm. and my my body revolution journey being a one of such body hatred to body acceptance mm. and body trust was key to mm. that so that's a privilege that I have mm. um being able to work with Hillary and Dana um and and that whole community so I am privileged to, to live in Southern California where I can ski and surf in the same day, mm. where there are outdoor spaces for me to move and interact. And the weather is pleasant most days. Mm. Um, and really our lifestyle encourages us to, to be out. I'm also privileged enough to live in Southern California and reject all the diet culture BS mm -hmm. and be able to filter that through. I'm privileged enough to call out people who talk about excessive exercise or restrictive dieting um, to their face mm -hmm. and call them on it. And let them know that diet culture is racist mm. and I've got the receipts. Mm. <laughs> so I've, I've got that privilege. Mm -hmm. I have the privilege of having access to two university libraries. Mm. So I can dig into all of the papers and read all of the papers mm. and all of the journals and all of the books mm. and reconstruct that and present it in a way that people will understand and hope and hopefully be provoked to learn more mm. there's such an awareness when you're talking of where you sit in the world yeah absolutely it's really powerful mm -hmm. I could also hear your um commitment to rest even in these other things that yeah. you were describing right. um mm -hmm. it takes a lot to do those things that you described yeah even in privileges they're very emotionally exhausting draining yeah. our bodies minds mm -hmm. absolutely i have two badass kids right <laughs> a full-time job a consulting business you know three social media accounts and you know if i don't rest i'm gonna break down right mm -hmm. and 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 earlier this month i mean i was like i was broken mm -hmm. and that that was a revelation to me because we think we can do it all right and I can't do it all but I'm not gonna do it all anymore yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. so I'm gonna have to retrain my boss he's got 11 months either you take some of this on 
because I can't, I can't do this again. It's too much. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's really important to be able to know what your limits are. That's embodiment to me as well. Yes. Yeah. Embodied boundaries is something I think about a lot. Right. Yes, absolutely. I'm a boundary bish. (laughs) (laughs) They create space. Aren't they amazing? They Mm -hmm. create more space. They do. They really, really do. And no is a complete thought. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we've talked a lot about big and small picture things today in this conversation. What do you think we can all do to make a difference with what we've talked about and learned through today or unlearned through? I did one of those today. (laughs) I think having a critical thinking lens Mm. and not necessarily taking things at face value. Mm. Maybe asking more questions, Mm. expanding our network to include people that we may not have heard from before Mm. or listened to before. Mm. Feels like in hearing you say that, that it might especially be with people that on the surface, we don't feel like we agree with at first as well. Not just another echo. Or that we agree, that we agree no questions asked Mm, 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 mm. we just take it Mm. and we don't ask any questions Mm. that's really powerful Mm. or or take it and even tell other people about it without adding a disclaimer of what we may want to be careful about or know ahead of time or ask questions of really specifically like why is the health at every size book written like a diet book correct or (laughs) I was on a Zoom last night and we were talking about, okay, so how do you attribute, how do you cite LB's work, mm. right? Oh yeah, that those fingerprints are everywhere. I have that same question, yeah. Right? Great question. I'm editing an episode that's going out today and I just have that question for us to talk about after this. Like, how do we right. even do that? I don't know. Right, how do, you, how do you attribute that? How do you make note? Mm-hmm. Mm. And I said, oh, yeah, this is what so-and-so said before I found out that, that they were a colossal aswape. <laughs> mm-hmm. For all that fuck shit. The word that I've been using is fuck shit. I can't stop saying it <laughs> yeah. about this whole yeah. situation. I emailed Mikey about it, too. And she's like, that's the word I've been using, too. And I'm like, I really feel validated calling everything fuck shit. It's just fuck shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was like layers of fuck yeah. shit kept unfolding. Yes. Just more and more and more. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, it's not oh surprising, but there's something in my body that's like, wow, another like more? layer. Another one. Oh like, my I gosh. guess we're going to be getting present to a lot of layers of fuck shit. <laughs> So many layers of fuck shit. I like that. I appreciate that term. Yeah, me too. It's I'm quite it, a fan of it. It just landed over here. Just, mm. The only thing I wish that we had was that I wish we had had a body cam on LB while this was going down. <laughs> right? Because yeah. their livelihood just blew up. Yeah. Their sphere of influence shrunk colossally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely like yeah one of the things I think that was so interesting to me about the social media aspect is how much they thought they could still get away with some of the same old things but people found them so fast look what's happening 
snarky mm-hmm. comments on other people's posts and things like that is what I'm remembering yeah. was happening. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As if those wouldn't be visible too. I, and I think that's really important because, oh, I remember what I was going to say earlier that I love that you said, oh, I came back. Um, <laughs> um, when you're talking about LB and thinking about them being the face of something that wasn't theirs to begin with. Right. And in fact, wasn't right. the whole way throughout as I think something that I'm recentering my thoughts around that even mm-hmm. that I was susceptible to thinking that talking about yeah. referencing them. Um, yeah that oh my gosh it left my brain again <laughs> oh, write it down. oh shit oh no wait maybe i did oh oh shit no i didn't oh let me see social media snarky comments ah i remember how much i had let myself forget right this is my privileges uh, my biases showing up forgetting that this is what white people do so this includes me i am yeah. a white person this is what white people in power do. This is what thin white people do with the ultimate in power is they yeah. constantly, we, I'm going to say, I'm going to say we, I think that's yeah. really important because some of that responsibility is on me as well, that there, there is constant recentering around ownership yeah. that that person with the ultimate power has, mm-hmm. which is a, a hoarding of power, a sequestering right. of power, and it's being taken from people. Mm-hmm. which is a characteristic of white supremacy culture yes. mm-hmm. is yes. power hoarding. Yes. Mm-hmm. The other thing that got me mm. <laughs> this weekend and it happened with this instance and also with the critics choice award and that director. Who oh my insulted God. the Williams the sisters. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, First of all, you um, never come for Serena in my world, but okay. Um, <laughs> another conversation. <laughs> the people that randomly wandered into the social media conversation Mm. not knowing anything about the conversation that was going on Mm. yeah not knowing anything about the snowball that was building but just like oh I like haze and bam Mm -hmm. and 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 their Mm. responses and one girl I literally said you mean to tell me you didn't know anything about this and that you just thought that you would center yourself in this conversation that you are jumping in in the middle of Mm -hmm. how random is that and oh my god that was the other thing that got me Mm -hmm. was in those two instances on LinkedIn actually there was this woman and she was from New Zealand and so she was defending the director talking about how New Zealand has got this different history with racism and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And honey, we trolled that woman so bad. She deleted her account. I'm Uh like, that is winning. Mm. (laughs) That is winning Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of my trolls seem to be white European men who have lost a lot of weight. Mm. Mm. And my argument with them is, you can't talk to me as a black fat American about your weight loss because guess what? Americans don't walk down the street of America eating Big Macs because mm. mm. they literally think that. Yes. Talk a lot about McDonald's and I'm like, y'all really think we walking down the street? And if you do, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Also, that's fine. <laughs> Health is not a moral imperative. Y'all really okay. think that we walking down <laughs> yeah. the street eating Big Macs? Y'all really? That's your picture. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You really think we walk down the street eating Big mm-hmm. Macs? 
So the people that just randomly wandered into these conversations, mm-hmm. not knowing that, you know, we were in act three, right? We had got through act one, act two, the, you know, the, the break, and we had double clutched and we were by Sunday morning, we were in act three, mm-hmm. just wandering and like, yeah, you need to way woe up as they say in NASCAR racing. You need to way woe up cowboy. I've never heard that. I love that. I've never heard that before. I like that. Way woe up. Way woe up. Okay. (laughs) And that's so interesting. Um, I've heard this about white people from Ireland, from Australia and New Zealand, including Uh, what we're talking about, about LB. That's like, it's different over here. We don't have this problem over here, but it's always a thin white woman talking, saying this. And it's always someone with an incredible amount of power. And in this case, they were all people with an incredible amount of power in the dietetics field and the health at every size Australia area. Yes. Um, and in, and are people who are often centered. So I'm yeah. act, I, something that I feel like I'm have known about, but I'm really trying to pay attention to in real yeah. time is how yes. there are people who are already centered that you can watch that being threatened and their responses yes. in real time. Mm-hmm. First, it makes me want to listen more because mm-hmm. I can see yes. the lack of listening over yes. there. Yes. And it, it's also it's not just listening that's missing. It's like just the basics of paying attention. It's critical thinking. Yes. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? What, what's happening in this room that I might mm-hmm. be inside of? And let me think about this for a minute. Mm-hmm. And let me, you know, what how does this impact? And mm-hmm. where is this coming from? Yeah. And right. uh, where are they getting this information? And, mm-hmm. you know, how did, how could I think about this? And mm-hmm. then how should I think about mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And who can I share this with? I mean, it's yeah. critical thinking. Yeah. Yes. And when it comes to being in conversation with other people, not even asking if they can be like, I don't know, I have a question, but is it even the time for me to ask it? Not even allowing yeah. even the smallest amounts of Correct. space mm-hmm. right, for mm-hmm. their voice not to be coming out all the time. Correct. I've just really been Absolutely. sitting with that. Me too. Um, mm-hmm. I used to have a story about myself. I'm just loud. I just talk over people. I'm just loud. And yes, I do that. <laughs> Those things are true. And <laughs> I can't listen while doing that. And I actually have to yeah. create uh-huh. distinct moments where I'm not doing that. Um, and especially yeah. being part of a group, white women who are causing an incredible amount of harm just mm-hmm. globally in a supremacist way. We're talking mm-hmm. about a space, but in this way, right. like, am I contributing anything to this that hasn't already been said? And usually the answer is no, something's already been said. Mm-hmm. I don't need to say it. Um, mm-hmm. Or pretending like something that I just learned a moment ago is now my thing to say. I feel like I would have yeah. been really susceptible to that in the past. And now mm-hmm. I just, I'm not doing that, but noticing it's happening a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It definitely. Is. I can feel I'm on the cusp of really wanting to troll my white people. <laughs> well, and, and you know, my tactic, my mm. tactic for that um, is to repeat the question. Mm. <laughs> so help me understand. Mm. Oh, I've seen mm. you. I, I'm often in your comment section, by the way. So I, <laughs> I, just reading. <laughs> I've seen you do that. Right. Yeah. It's like the, it's like, did you say that with the intention did to, you just to really hurt say me that? or to help me? Right. Cause I'm unclear. Let, let me, That's beautiful. Help me mm-hmm. understand, mm. you know, or just so I'm clear mm-hmm. what you're saying is American, all Americans are walking down the street eating Big Macs. Mm. Is that what I hear you saying? Mm. 
And what's your evidence of that? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, you will hear, you'll, you'll see me say, prove it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> prove it. I love That's it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then, and you know, oh, you can't do um, calories in, calories out. I'm like, prove it. Mm-hmm. They will come back to me with a study of 10,000 white elderly people in Northwestern Sweden. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, hold mm-hmm. way well up. <laughs> Wait, well, well, I can't. <laughs> you need to come at me with some information that will impact me. Mm-hmm. Shelby Gordon, black fat mm-hmm. woman living in America. America. Mm-hmm. Post George Floyd. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's you, you know, as you were talking about that, I was also thinking about how research is always so behind. Yeah. Five years minimum, 10 years more likely. And everything is in this tiny little box or a vacuum. And it's funded by weight loss companies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Reagan taught me how to read the studies, you know, so you may, you may have fallen in love with the headline, but I'm going to read the conclusion that says, Mm -hmm. and people gain their weight back. Right. Within two to five years. Mm. Absolutely. So you, you, I'm I'm glad that you love the headline, but baby, I read the whole study, including the conclusion Mm -hmm. and including who funded it Mm -hmm. and including that there's only two people left after they did the whole research. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's why I say prove it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I really, really Mm -hmm. love that. Me too. I can hear prove it unequivocally in what you're saying. Like prove it to me that this is the one truth now. You can't. So Mm -hmm. go ahead and try. And I need something other than a survey, a survey Mm -hmm. of 10,000 old people in (laughs) Northeastern Sweden. A super remote and snowy and cold and unique area. They're living at the retirement home. So all their food is monitored anyway. Hell right. yeah, they're going to lose mm-hmm. weight. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. They don't have nothing to do with me over here trying to deal with Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're absolutely right. Mm, that's really helpful. Oh, I love that uh, so much. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, yay. As we finish, yay. As it we finish fast. the fast. Oh, yeah, so it does. Glad. I'm so glad we got through everything too. Oh, wait, this is one more question. As we finish up with this question, (laughs) as we finish up this episode today, what would you like everyone knowing to know about what you're up to and how they can find you? What direction do you see your career and or work taking in the future? Mm. Um, Well, everybody can find me on um, Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, Fit, Flexible, and Fluid. Um, I am taking a year's break from taking classes Mm -hmm. so um and I'm being very very selective in what I'm teaching okay so I um have my bible class coming up um and I got a question uh that if this was from a Christian perspective no this is biblical Mm-hmm. Uh, I do fat Torah with Rabbi Mina in case you guys didn't know I'm back to Jewish mm-hmm. um, and I have Torah with um, Rabbi Mina on Sunday mornings nice. and um, because I really wanted to go back to the Hebrew Bible and really see what God was saying about our bodies without the mm-hmm. whole religiosity thing going on mm-hmm. so I'm doing that I most likely will do a boundaries class and that class is called respectfully and it's basically how to 
how to set boundaries with the fat haters in your life, Mm. but doing it in a way that is respectful, Mm. but also factual and helps you build your confidence in your language around how to counteract weight stigma. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do that. I do two sections of that one for family and friends. And then I also do one for your health partners. Mm. So that Mm. probably will come up in the end of the year. And I anticipate uh, Whitney Trotter and I do a series of called the anti-racism practitioners group Mm. where I do the anti-racism piece. And then she does the practical piece of how you put those actions um, into your practice and into your business. And we do a lot of discussions and talk throughs and case studies and that sort of thing. So I anticipate that that will happen before the end of the year as well. So mm-hmm. being just being very selective and mm-hmm. very mindful and intentional about um, what I'm teaching this year. I think that with this whole um scenario now where we seems like we're going to be rebuilding a movement I want to have the bandwidth and the space and the time Mm -hmm. to be supportive and to help any way I can um, Mm -hmm. to really ensure that it is rebuilt in a way that really serves more of us and has more of our voices and that um, those voices are elevated and that there are structures built so that we can ensure that we don't have to go through this harm again mm-hmm. and that um, we're able to sustain, maintain, evolve, and elevate this movement in a way that has a great impact mm-hmm. for those of us who need it most. Mm-hmm. That includes not only us fat people, but also those white people who deal with us fat people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to get a puppy. I'm hoping to get back to dance class. <laughs> I love it. I hope you get to. I love it so much. Yeah. Maybe Me even too. on Sunday, I think, is what I heard at 1 p.m. No. Oh, did I hear that wrong earlier? <laughs> no, I'm going, I'm going over now to deal with the puppies. I'm, I'll post a picture on Instagram so you okay. can see okay. them. And um, I'm going to be in my happy place. So uh, I think I have a cauliflower video <laughs> that somebody sent me that I'll probably post tomorrow for happy cauliflower. <laughs> it's even better said out loud. <laughs> it really is. It really, really is. It makes me incredibly happy. It really yes. is. Love, I'm glad love, that love you that. enjoy my content. So I'm, much. I'm really grateful to, um, for you to invite me to to chat and happy to do that any time and happy to help you any way I can. And, you you know, we're all in this together and this is a crucial time for all of us. Mm -hmm. And, um, fat people are sexy and beautiful and important and vital to, um, our culture and our society Mm -hmm. and our lives. And we need to do what we can to ensure that they've got the support that we have the support that we need to ensure that we get the best care, mental health, physical health, Mm. that we are empowered to find movement and food choices that agree with our sensibilities and that we have the information that we need Mm. to hold up this movement Mm. and ensure that 
we can spread it far and wide. And also that we have the patience, the patience and the grace Mm -hmm. to deal with folks who are going to be slower Mm -hmm. to understand and embrace where we're going, who are going to be slower to let go of what has happened before, that we have the patience and the grace to, um, to guide them along and to answer their questions, and to deal with their angst, Mm -hmm. and to uh, work around their denials. Mm. Mm. Now that's a tool of white supremacy. Yes, the denial. (laughs) Oh, this has been wonderful. Thank you so, so, so much. What an honor. Truly. (laughs) It's been an honor too. It's It's so nice to see your face and be in conversation with you, truly. I've been following you for so long. I really yeah i'm gonna pack up my stuff see yes um what my badass kids are doing um pack up my stuff and then i'll be with the pups i'm doing a presentation tonight on um museums and the visitor experience okay it's for design week um, 2022 and then tomorrow i'm dealing with i'm doing a three-hour my dad culture is racist presentation Uh, uh uh-huh or um a health group mm-hmm. um they asked me to do that so nice um You're very busy. it probably will it probably will be from the office bed <laughs> and last week in the meeting the puppy got under the laptop and the laptop went spinning down the bed and the camera oh, no. went everywhere and then the other puppy was snoring so loud that somebody said what is that noise and she's only like five pounds right oh i love it how can something that small snore that loud and the other one i hit my new name for him is honey baked ham right because he's just sweet dead weight oh (laughs) like he lays down on you and you cannot move oh i love it so I love it. I'm in my happy place. I, I can that. tell, and we love it. Thank you. Oh, yeah, so, Enjoy so. your you palatial space. Uh, yes. The yes. palatial puppy sitter. Oh, yes. oh, the best. I'm so, <laughs> I, I need it. that in my life. Good to see you all. <laughs> you nice. too. Let me know again if there's anything I can do for you. Happy thank to help you, you any way oh, I can. Thank you so much. Thank you. And keep me posted. We will. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to season two of the Embodiment for the Rest of Us podcast. Episodes will be published every two weeks-ish, because let's be real here, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find the podcast at our website, embodimentfortherestofus.com, and follow us on social media on both Twitter at Embodiment Us. And on Instagram at Embodiment for the Rest of Us. We look forward to being with you again next time in conversation.